0: This is Dr. Samantha Shapiro, Executive Editor of Harrison's Principles of Internal Medicine. Harrison's Podclass is brought to you by McGraw-Hills Access Medicine, the online medical resource that delivers the latest trusted content from the best minds in medicine. And now, on to the episode. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Harrison's Podcast. We're your co-hosts. I'm Dr. Kathy Handy.
1: And I'm Dr. Charlie Weiner and we're joining you from the Johns Hopkins School of Medicine.
0: Welcome to episode 119, a 75-year-old with shock.
1: Okay, Kathy, today's patient comes from a discipline close to my heart, actually right next to my heart. And I think gets <laughs> lo- <laughs> and I think got lots more attention early in the COVID pandemic.
0: So I'm thinking we're talking about respiratory failure and probably something involving the medical intensive care unit, which is your favorite. Um, But I agree many more beyond the traditional critical care arena were exposed to these problems uh, in the recent COVID pandemic. So tell me more about the patient today.
1: Okay. So a 75-year-old woman is admitted to the intensive care unit with shock due to mesenteric ischemia and presumed sepsis. She undergoes emergent surgery to remove a section of necrotic small bowel. On postoperative day number one, her pre-surgery blood cultures turn positive for gram-negative rods. Later that day, she develops worsening shortness of breath and progressive hypoxemia. Her chest radiograph was normal on admission, but now she has bilateral diffuse alveolar infiltrates with no signs of fluid overload on exam or echocardiograph.
0: All right, this sounds like we're going to be talking about acute respiratory distress syndrome or ARDS.
1: Yep. Let's review the definition in the pathophysiology.
0: ARDS is a clinical syndrome of severe dyspnea of rapid onset, typically less than a week. There's hypoxemia, measured by the ratio of arterial PO2 to the fraction of inspired oxygen, or FiO2, and diffuse pulmonary infiltrates leading to respiratory failure that's not due to cardiac disease. ARDS can be caused by diffuse lung injury from many underlying medical and surgical disorders. And the lung injury may be direct, as occurs in toxic inhalation or COVID pneumonia, or the lung injury can be indirect, as occurs in sepsis, as in this case even long bone fractures or massive blood transfusions. Most cases other than during the COVID pandemic are due to sepsis, as in our patient. Now, pathologically, early ARDS is characterized by diffuse alveolar damage and protein-rich fluid flooding the airways. Importantly, physiologically, it's characterized by shunt.
1: Yeah, and the dominance of shunt and causing the hypoxemia is why increasing the FiO2 alone does not greatly improve oxygenation. And we asked to utilize mechanisms of applying positive end-expiratory pressure, such as CPAP or PEEP.
0: Exactly. And PEEP increases the end-expiratory lung volume and recruits damaged lung to allow some oxygen exchange.
1: Okay. So the question is going to ask you about treatment and asks, all of the following treatments have supporting evidence for efficacy in early ARDS except for A, early use of paralytic agents, B, fluid restriction, C, low tidal volume ventilation, D, prone positioning, or E, surfactant?
0: Well, the answer is E, surfactant. So surfactant therapy has totally changed the paradigm for premature infant respiratory distress syndrome. Giving them synthetic surfactant at birth has substantially improved morbidity and mortality. Unfortunately though, trials in adults with ARDS have not shown benefit.
1: Okay, so the other four sounds like they can have benefit. Let's uh, let's talk a little bit about those.
0: Let's start with the most effective, and that's the low tidal volume ventilation. So a trial in 2000 definitively demonstrated an impressive mortality benefit of using low tidal volumes compared to traditional full-size breaths.
1: How does that work?
0: Well, it starts with the observation that if you over-distend normal alveoli, you can cause new lung injury that looks very much like ARDS. Then, if you imagine that ARDS causes heterogeneous lung injury with some very sick to some normal alveoli, overdistension of those normal alveoli will actually worsen the diffuse injury. Some say you have to treat the ARDS lung injury like a baby lung, give it small breasts. This approach has become the standard of care and again was important to our management of patients during the COVID pandemic.
1: Yeah, we mentioned prone positioning. That also got a lot of press during COVID.
0: Several small studies demonstrated that mechanical ventilation in the prone position reduced shunt and improved arterial oxygenation, but without a mortality benefit. However, a well-conducted 2013 trial demonstrated a significant reduction in 28-day mortality in patients with severe ARDS with prone positioning. Even before COVID, many centers were increasing the use of prone positioning in severe ARDS with the understanding that this maneuver requires a critical care team that's experienced in proning because repositioning critically ill patients can be hazardous in and of itself, leading to accidental endotracheal extubation, loss of central venous catheters, and orthopedic injury. During COVID, this therapy became more widely
1: utilized. Okay, and fluid restriction and paralytics?
0: As I mentioned, the injury inciting ARDS leads to protein-rich alveolar filling and interstitial edema. Physiologically, it makes sense that limiting fluids to maintain a low left atrial filling pressure should minimize pulmonary edema. Studies have demonstrated this approach can improve respiratory physiology, shorten the ICU stay, and the duration of mechanical ventilation. So aggressive attempts to reduce left atrial filling pressures with fluid restriction and diuretics should be an important aspect of ARDS management, limited only by hypotension and hypoperfusion of critical organs such as the kidneys. Neuromuscular blockade is a little more controversial, but at least one clinical trial demonstrated that early neuromuscular blockade in patients with severe ARDS, had increased survival and ventilator-free days without increasing ICU-acquired paresis. A subsequent trial demonstrated no mortality benefit for patients with moderate to severe ARDS. Most critical care clinicians use neuromuscular blockade in ARDS patients with ventilatory dysynchrony despite sedation.
1: Okay, well, we didn't mention it in the question, but I'm sure someone out there is wondering about steroids.
0: I'm sure you're right. So, Many attempts have been made to treat both early and late ARDS with glucocorticoids with the goal of reducing potentially deleterious pulmonary inflammation or promote healing. Few studies have shown any significant mortality benefit. Current evidence does not support the routine use of glucocorticoids in the case of ARDS patients. I will say that some believe they may have utility in ARDS patients thought to be in the later fibroproliferative phase to decrease fibrosis.
1: Okay, well, today's teaching point is that ARDS is a syndrome of acute respiratory failure with diffuse alveolar damage and physiologic shunt that is not due to cardiovascular disease. Treatment relies mostly on diligent critical care, allowing the lung to heal while maintaining adequate oxygenation and avoiding additional iatrogenic lung injury.
0: And you can read more about this in the chapter on Critical Care Medicine. Thanks for listening to Harrison's Pod Class. You can listen to this episode and more on accessmedicine.com, which includes the complete Harrison's Principles of Internal Medicine text, Harrison's review questions, which complement and expand upon the questions in this episode, and much more. Accessmedicine.com may already be available to you via your academic institution. Check it out.